All right, well, we're there in uh, Isaiah 23. And if you look at verse number one, the Bible says the burden of Tyre. As we've been studying the uh, book of Isaiah on Sunday nights, you may have noticed for the last few weeks, uh, every chapter or so, there's been the burden of something, the burden of this, the burden of that, Egypt. And, and this is the last of the burdens uh, as God has been kind of pronouncing judgment over different nations and communities and cities there. And here he begins to talk about Tyre. And something you need to understand about this uh, nation of Tyre, and, I, and keep your finger there in Isaiah 23, obviously that's the text for tonight, but go with me just real quickly to 1 Kings chapter number 10, uh, towards the beginning of the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter number 10, and uh, look at verse number 22, 1 Kings chapter 10, and when you get to 1 Kings uh, keep, put your finger there or a bulletin or a bookmark, something in 1 Kings, because we're going to uh, leave 1 Kings, but then we're going to come back to it. So uh, just keep your finger there so you can get back to it quickly. 1 Kings chapter 10. I want you to know something about Tyre. Tyre was a great uh, maritime type of power. It was a uh, seafaring uh, land. The, the people uh, did commercial and military. Uh, uh, sh- they had ships. They had a navy. They had the ability to do a lot of commerce. In 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 22, we kind of get a glimpse of that when Solomon kind of went into business with Tyre. Remember King Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse 22, the Bible says, for the king, referring to Solomon, had a sea, notice, a navy of uh, Tarshish. Do you see that? Same Tarshish as Isaiah 23, and that would be referring to the area of Tyre. He says, with the navy of Hiram. Now, Hiram, we're going to read about a little more in our sermon tonight, but Hiram, so you understand, is the king of Tyre at the time of Solomon. The Bible says, a navy of Tarshish with the navy of Hiram. Once in three years came the navy of Tarshish, bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. So here we just kind of get a glimpse of this nation of Tyre and, and Tarshish. And they have this navy and they're kind of just going out and they're, they're very much into merchandise and commercial. Here at the time of Solomon, they're bringing gold and silver, ivory. They're bringing apes and peacocks and all sorts of things. If you go back to Isaiah 23, now keep your finger there in 1 Kings 10 or a bookmark or something, but go to Isaiah 23 and look at verse number 1. Notice what the Bible says. Because they were, they were involved in much commerce, because they were involved in these things, they were, uh, they, they were highly into merchandise. Look at verse 1 again, Isaiah 23 and verse 1. The Bible says, the burden of Tyre. Now notice this, how ye ships of Tarshish. Do you see that? And now we just saw in 1 Kings chapter 10 that there was a navy of Tarshish. So it's a reference to that same ships, the navies. It says, How ye ships of Tarshish, for it is laid waste to, so that there is no house, no entering in from the land of Chittim. It is revealed to them. Verse 2, Be still, ye inhabitants of the isle. Thou, notice this, whom the merchants of Zidon. Now Zidon is another city that's associated with Tyre. And we'll see that and throughout the scripture here, whom the merchants of Zidon that pass over the sea have replenished. So notice, the merchants are passing over the sea in their ships, in their navy, and they are replenishing these inhabitants of the isle. Look at verse 3. And by great waters the seed of Sihor, notice, the harvest of the river is her revenue, and she is a mart of nations. Now, other nations at this time 
their, their primary source of income was agriculture. They would have a harvest, they would have a crop, and that was their revenue. But Tyre, they were, the Bible says in verse 3, that their harvest was a harvest of the river. As their ships went up and down the rivers and into the sea, um, it, it, that's where their revenue came, came from. And notice, she is a mart of nation. Do you see that? That's like Walmart, right? Or Kmart. Uh, this is Tire Mart. This was, the, the idea is that if you needed to go get merchandise from somewhere, if you needed to go somewhere where they had everything you needed, a one-stop shop, you went to Tire because they had a navy, because they had uh, the ships, they had the merchants there. They would go over all the world and they would bring gold and silver and apes and peacocks and all sorts of things. And if you needed something, just like today, we would go to Walmart because you don't want to go to you know, a grocery store and then buy all these things. You want to be able to get everything you need in one place. That was the idea. The Bible says it is a mart of nations. They have this, this, this commerce going through the, the, the land here. Now, here's what you got to understand. Because of their navy, because of their ships, because of their commerce, because of this commercial activity going on, this led to much materialism and pride in the nation of Tyre. In Tyre, money is what gave you, and materials and things, it's what gave you your value. Look at verse 6. Uh, skip down to verse number 6 in Isaiah 23. Pass ye over to Tarshish, how ye inhabitants of the isle. Is this your joyous city, whose antiquity is of ancient days? Her own feet shall carry her afar off to sojourn. Look at verse 8. Who have taken this counsel against Tyre, the crowning city. Notice this. Whose merchants are princes. Do you see that? whose traffickers are the honorable of the earth. Now, at this time, in most nations, what gave you value, what made you a prince, what made you honorable, what made you a leader was the fact that you were born into the right family. You were a noble. You were, you know, you were a prince because you were the son of a king and you became a leader. You became honorable because of your lineage or your, the, uh, where you descended from. But Tyre was different. Tyre was different than that in this, in, 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 for their time because what made you Honorable on the earth entire, what made you a prince entire was if you were a successful merchant. I mean, look at verse 8, the last part of verse 8. Whose merchants are princes, whose traffickers are the honorable of the earth. So you want to be honorable, you want to be honored, you're a trafficker. And and I'm not talking about drugs necessarily, although might have been, I don't know. But the idea is that you're you're selling, you're a merchant, you're, uh, uh, you know, in business. What makes you a prince is merchants. And here's what you got to understand. In America today, our nation is very much like Tyre. America, in the United States of America, and I'm thankful for this, in the United States of America, we don't have a caste system. We don't have serfs, right? We don't have peasants, there's no nobles. What gives you your value in the United States of America is not the uh, lineage you came from, it's not the descendancy you came from, it's not the family you were born in, but it's what you have, just like in Tyre. What you have is what gave you value. What you have is what made you seem successful. What you have. See, in the United States of America, we don't look at you and say, oh, you were born into that family of those nobles, and you're sir so-and-so, and and you're, you know, uh, uh, born into this, and you're a prince, and you're a knight. We don't have, we, we don't have nobility, we don't have peasants, we don't have those different systems, but in the United States of America, like in Tyre, what gives you value is where you live, where you live, how you live, 
What gives you value in the United States of America is what you drive. What gives you value in the United States of America is what you wear. What gives you value in the United States of America is what toys you have. Do you have a boat? Do you have, you know, this? Do you have that? Do you have the latest iPhone? Do you have, you know, it's, it's our toys and our merchandise. Like Tyre, it's a nation that, you know, really emphasizes materialism. Emphasizes what you have, the things you own. And here's what you got to understand. God, I believe, and I believe I, I can show it to you in this passage, and it's kind of an interesting study. If you stick with me, um, I, I, I think you'll, you'll, it'll make sense to you. I believe that God blessed or allowed the prosperity of Tyre. Did you keep your finger in 1 Kings? Uh, go back to 1 Kings, but go to chapter 5. 1 Kings chapter 5. And let me show you something that's kind of interesting in Isaiah 23 uh, as we compare it to different passages of Scripture. 1 Kings Chapter number five, God blessed Tyre. Or maybe I should say, God allowed Tyre to be blessed in the past because they were going to be a blessing to his people, Israel. First Kings chapter five. Remember, the time frame is the King Solomon. Notice verse one. The Bible says, and Hiram, the king of Tyre. Do you see that? So that's what we're talking about. And Hiram king of Tyre, sent his servants unto Solomon, for he had heard that they had anointed him king in the room of his father, for Hiram was ever a lover of David. Hiram, king of Tyre, was a good friend of King David, and when David died and Solomon became king, Hiram continued to be a friend to Solomon. Look at verse 2. And Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, Thou knowest how that David my father could not build an house unto the name of the Lord his God, for the wars which were about him on every side, until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God hath given me rest on every side, so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurring. Look at verse 5. And behold, I purpose. This is Solomon speaking to Hiram, king of Tyre. He says, I purpose to build an house unto the name of the Lord my God. As the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build an house unto my name. Now therefore command thou that they hew me cedar trees out of Lebanon, and my servants shall be with thy servants, and unto thee will I give hire for thy servants, according to all that thou shalt appoint, for thou knowest that there is not among us any that can skill to hew timber like unto the Sidonians. And that's a reference to Zidon, the Sidonians. Skip down to verse 10, just for sake of time. Look at verse 10. So Hiram, remember that's the king of Tyre, gave to Solomon cedar trees and fir trees according to all his desires. So Solomon goes to build the temple and Solomon asks to Hiram, hey, can you help me with the resources to be able to build this temple? And the Bible says in verse 10 that Hiram gave to Solomon cedar trees and fir trees. And the Bible describes how they did that thing. They, they would chop down the trees and they would, uh, you know, uh, tr- uh, send them down the stream, down the river there to Israel. And they had a whole system set up. Go to 1 Kings chapter 9. Look at verse 11. Let me show you um, just from, from another passage. 1 Kings chapter number 9. You're there in uh, chapter 5. So just turn over a few pages. 1 Kings chapter number 9 and look at verse Number 11, 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 11. Now Hiram, the king of Tyre, do you see that? Now Hiram, the king of Tyre, had 
furnished Solomon with cedar trees and fir trees and with gold according to all his desire, that then King Solomon gave Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. So we see there again, Hiram furnished Solomon with cedar trees and fir trees. So here, here's what I want you to understand. Go back to Isaiah 23. Tyre was allowed to be this powerhouse of merchandise, powerhouse of success. They, they were rich. They had all these uh, resources. And I believe that God allowed them to have those resources because Tyre ended up uh, doing a lot of the work or providing a lot of the, the material needed for Solomon to build the temple that he built unto God. And I believe that God positioned Tyre there on that coast and gave them the resources and the ability to be able to have those things for the building of the temple. And as they were prospering, and as they were, you know, being successful in business, they were enjoying of the wealth that God was allowing them to have because they were going to be used of God to, to resource the building of the temple. Now, here's what happened. Go back to Isaiah 23. Look at verse number 8. Isaiah 23, verse 8. And, and this has been a theme through the book of Isaiah. Should it, it should not surprise you. But Tyre got filled with pride. And the quickest way to get God against you is to have pride creep in to your heart and your mind and your life. The Bible says that God will turn against you. The Bible says that God will humble you. God will lower you. God will abase you. Everyone in Scripture that ever lifted up their, uh, themselves against God were brought down. The Bible says that uh, that. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before, the fall, before a fall. Look at verse 8 there, Isaiah 23, and verse 8. Notice what happens. Who hath taken this counsel against Tyre? So, so Isaiah is predicting of the coming destruction of Tyre. And here's the question that is being asked. They say, who hath taken the counsel against Tyre? Here's what they're saying. Who is powerful enough? It'd be like saying, who, who's going to... It's like if Isaiah showed up and said, you know, America's so materialistic, and in America what gives you value is the car that you drive, and what gives you value is the clothes that you wear, and what gives you value is the neighborhood you live in. In America, you know, the, the only thing they care about is material. And if Isaiah showed up and said, God's going to destroy America, and God's going to take away all the materials from America, and God's going to humble you because of your pride, it would be like people in America would be asking, well, well who's going to take counsel against the United States of America? Who, who's going to destroy us? I mean, we've got the, 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 we've got the ships, we've got the Navy, we've got the, the resources, we've got all the money, we've got all the weapons. And, and here the question is asked, who had taken this counsel against Tyre? Notice, the crowning city, whose merchants are princes, whose traffickers are the honorable of the earth. Now notice verse 9, the Lord of hosts hath purposed it. So when the question is asked, hey, who's taking counsel against Tyre? Who's coming up against Tyre? Who's going to destroy Tyre? The answer to that question is, the Lord will. The Lord of hosts have purposed it to stain, don't miss this, to stain the pride of all glory. See, Tyre had been filled with pride. They started to think it's because of our strength. It's because of our uh, uh, ability. It's because we built this, uh, this nation. And God would look down and say, hey, the only reason that you even exist and the only reason that, that you've, you've had the, the fortune that you had is because I allowed you to get the resources because I wanted you to fund the temple, because I wanted you to provide the resources that would be the, the temple that was needed. And when their pride was, was lifted up, God turned against them. Look at verse 9. The Lord of hosts hath purposed it 
to stain the pride of all glory and to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth. Verse 10, pass through thy land as a river, O daughter of Tarshish. There is no more strength. Notice verse 11, he, talking about the Lord, he stretched out his hand over the sea. See, they would say of Tarshish, oh, we, you know, we're on this coast and even part of their cities were on an island. They would say, you know, like the United States of America, we talked about it a couple weeks ago when we were preaching about uh, Mystery Babylon. You know, the, the, the ocean is their border and they would say, well, no one can attack us because, you know, we can see enemies coming uh, from, from a long ways away because we're on this coast, you know, and we can see the, the ships coming. But the Bible says that God would stretch out his hand over the sea. Notice, he shook the kingdom. The Lord hath given a commandment. Notice, the Lord hath given a commandment against the merchant city to destroy the strongholds thereof. God commanded, God said, I'm going to destroy Tyre. And here's why. In verse 9, we're told to stain the pride of all glory. Look at verse 14. How? You know, the, the word howl is not necessarily just like a crying or a weeping, but howl is like you would like yell out, you know, just, you, just out of pain or out of anger, out of grievousness. The Bible says, howl, ye ships of Tarshish, for your strength, notice, your strength is laid waste. So this city that had been used of God, that, that God had allowed to prosper, that God had allowed to succeed in commerce and in business because they were able to provide the resources for the building of the temple. This city lifted itself in pride and God said, I'm going to destroy you. And God said, I'm going to take it all away. And God said, I want you to keep the right. And the lesson for us is that we must keep the right perspective of material and materialism. Go to Luke chapter number 12. Let me just give you a few thoughts about materialism real quickly. And then we're going to get back into this idea of Tyre because it gets interesting as as the chapter ends, but, but let me just show you a couple of things. Luke chapter number 12, Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament, Luke chapter 12. When you get to Luke, put your finger or bulletin or something there because we're going to leave Luke and then we're going to come back to it, okay? You can lose your place in 1 Kings, but get something in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter number 12 and look at verse number 16. Here's what you got to understand when it comes to materialism. And we live in a very materialistic society. We just celebrated Christmas where probably the main focus of most people in this nation's, you know, was not the birth of Christ, but it was what am I going to get and what am I going to, you know, and look, I'm all for gifts and I and, and I, I bought gifts for my family and some of you gave us gifts and we appreciate it. I'm not saying giving gifts is bad, but we live in a society where what you have is so important. I mean, from a child, even in school, children are so concerned about, I got to have the right shoes, and I got to have the right clothes, and I got to have the right name brand, and I've got to, you know, wear all the right things, or else people are going to think that, that, you know, uh, bad of me. And you got to understand, when it comes to the perspective of materialism in Scripture, you need to understand this. Realize that God can take it all away whenever He wishes. Luke chapter 12, look at verse number 16. We're, we're told this parable of what the Bible refers to as a rich fool. Luke chapter 12 and verse 16, the Bible says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. That's Tyre. That's the United States of America. America has been blessed in a way that it's brought forth plentifully. Verse 17, And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will put on my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, 
Thou as much goods laid up for, my, for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Now here's a problem with this rich man. The problem was not that he was rich. The problem was not that he was successful. The problem was not that he was a hard worker. The, the problem is that when he's, you know, talking to himself, notice he doesn't acknowledge God. He doesn't thank God for the wealth. He doesn't thank God for what he's given him. And then he puts his trust in his wealth. He says, I've got so much. He says, uh, these goods laid up for many years. He said, I'm going to take mine ease. I will eat, drink, and be merry. Whenever somebody says, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry, just realize they're in a bad place in life. Okay, that's not, that's not a good goal. We talked about goals this morning. Your goal in life should not be, I want to get so rich that I just sit around and do nothing. I want to win the, win the lottery. Listen, people who win the lottery, it ruins their lives. Because it's not good for people to not work. It's not good for people to not have a reason to get up in the morning. And this guy said, he said, you know, I, 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 I'm so successful. He said, I'm just going to sit around and just enjoy my wealth. Now notice verse 20. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be? which thou hast provided, so is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. You don't have to turn there, but in Proverbs 13, this morning we preached out of Proverbs 13. In Proverbs 13, the Bible says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. And you got to understand this. When it comes to things, when it comes to materialism, we cannot, you cannot take it. You, you, when you die, it stays here. And the Bible says, see, you say, well, that's a rich guy and he had all these things and that would never happen to me. But here's what Jesus, here's what Jesus applied it to us. Verse 21, he says, so is he. He says, you are the same way and I am the same way. If we lay up treasures for ourselves and we are not rich towards God, because here's what you got to understand. We have to realize that God can take away our riches at any time. And when you die, you can't take it with you. It's going to stay here. The houses, the cars, the clothes, the bank accounts, all of it is staying here. So realize, also, when it comes to materialism, that you do not need to have everything that other people have. You do not need to have everything that others have. Look at verse 15. Of the, we, we started in verse 16. But go, go up to verse 15. Notice what Jesus said. Here's why Jesus taught the parable. He said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Covetousness is the desire to have things that other people have. When my wife and I were, uh, were, were newly married, uh, I was going to say we're a young couple, but I think we're still a young couple, so that's good. But um, when we were newly married, we've been married for 10 years now. We got married when we were 12, so it kind of worked out. No. Well, but when we were newly married, we, uh, we, we heard a preacher say, and it really helped us. He said, you know, you young couples, and I, and I would say to, we have a young couple here, just got married a few weeks ago, but not, not just you, but every, every couple, young or old, uh, you know. Um, he, I remember he said this, and, and my wife and I talked about it. You know, young couples have this idea, like, I got, I got married, and then they have this idea. I've got to live in the same, you know, the same type of house that my parents live in. I got to live in the same neighborhood my parents live in. I got to drive the same cars that my parents drive. I got to have the same clothes and I got to have the same, you know, quality of life that my parents have. And I remember this preacher saying, hey, listen, it took your parents 20 or 30 years to get there. You know, don't try to be there like in two years. And that's why everybody, they go into debt, they get into this. And I remember that really helped my wife and I. The first six months that my wife and I were married, we sat on the floor because we didn't have a couch. That was good for us. 
I remember, you know, those first six months, we, we sat on the floor there, and I would go to work, and I'd get paid every week, and we started putting away money, we started saving money, and in six months, we raised, a, my wife and I saved $1,000, and I mean, $1,000 is a lot of money for us now, but back then, I mean, $1,000 was a fortune, I'd never had so much money, and I remember my wife and I going out on a Saturday after soul winning, and we went to a few different stores, and we, uh, you know, started looking around, and we bought ourselves a couch, and we, we still have that couch today. I mean, you go to our house, we have that, that, those couches that we paid cash. You know, they were trying to get us to finance. Well, you finance it. I said, we're paying cash, all right? Well, you take, the, the couches were like $1,400. I said, I'll give you 1000 right now. They're like, deal, you know. And, uh, and we, have, you know, we have those couches. We, you know, nine years, we've had those couches. We, and, you know, we got those couches. My wife and I, I remember the first eight months we were married. We had dinner on the floor. We didn't have a dining room table. It was funny because we got used to eating on the floor, and we bought the couch, like two months before we got the table, but even though we had the couch, we still sat on the floor to eat because we're just used to eating on the floor, you know what I mean? And one day we're like, we can go sit on that couch, you know, it was kind of <laughs> interesting. But, you know, I remember we started saving. We say, I remember we saved $400. My wife and I went out and bought ourselves our first little dining room table. We got a dining room table. And here's what you got to understand. You don't have to have what everybody else has. Get out of this mentality that I, I got to come. Look, I still don't live in a house as nice as my parents' house, okay? I still don't live in a neighborhood as nice as my parents' house. But you know what? We got to understand that this life, notice, notice verse 15, Luke 12, 15. And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. Notice this, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Do you understand that? You know that your life is more than the car you drive and the house you live in and the clothes you wear? Jesus would later on in that same passage say it like this. Look at verse 23. The life is more than meat. The word meat there is a reference to food. In the Bible, the word meat means food. Our idea of meat is like steak or chicken. But in the Bible, that, the word for that is flesh. Meat just refers to food. And notice Jesus says, The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment, clothes. They, the word raiment means clothes. Here's what we got to understand. Our life consists more of just the things that we have. There's more to life than the clothes you put on, than the food that you eat, than the house that you live in, than the vehicle that you drive. There's more to life than the, you know, the, the brand car you drive or the brand uh, you know, uh, a phone that you have or if you've got the latest gadget, if you've got the latest thing. And you got to understand this. It's good if God blesses you with things, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not preaching against it's, it's bad to, to, to be successful. But you got to understand this. Don't let that motivate you because God can take it at any moment. Whenever God decides that you're filled with pride. And here's what you got to understand. And here's what's interesting about Tyre. Go back to Isaiah 23. Isaiah 23. And I would encourage all of you because here's what drives debt is this covetousness that I can't, I can't, I'm not going to wait to save the money to buy the couch. I'm just going to finance it. And then you finance the couch, and then you finance the table, and then you finance the car, and then you finance, you know, your, your vacation, and then you finance a meal. And then before you know it, you're, you're so in debt, you got to file bankruptcy. you got to be careful with those things. And you say, well, well, we just live in this society where, look, nuts to the society. Our, our society is messed up. People drive around, they have cars they don't own, they live in houses they don't own, they have, you know, they're wearing clothes they shouldn't be wearing, they can't afford them. Just realize that all those things are going to stay here. And like the rich fool, who's going to keep those? The bank will take it back. 
You can't take it with you. Life is more than meat. Now notice what happened with Tyre. Isaiah 23, look at verse 15. And it shall come to pass in that day that Tyre shall be forgotten 70 years. Now here's what's interesting. Tyre is north of the nation of Israel. And at the same time of, 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 of Isaiah's writing, when Tyre goes into captivity for 70 years, the nation of Judah also goes into captivity for 70 years. So it's pretty safe to assume that when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Israel and took Judah captive for 70 years, it's a pretty safe assumption to say that they took Tyre captive for 70 years at the same time. So they go into captivity at the same time. Verse 15, and it shall come to pass in that day that Tyre shall be forgotten 70 years according to the days of one king. After the end of 70 years shall Tyre sing as an harlot. Look at verse 15, and it shall come to pass in that day that Tyre shall be forgotten 70 years. God says, I'm going to take you out of your land. I'm going to send you into captivity. People are going to forget about Tyre. They're going to forget about you. They're not going to remember you anymore. And by the way, that's how the world is. You're their friend, Jonah, till they dump you out the boat. And it's like, who? Jonah, what? What happened to him? Tyre shall be forgotten in 70 years according to the days of one king. Now notice this. Notice this. Last part of verse 15. After the end of 70 years. Now notice, they go into captivity for 70 years. Now who else went into captivity for 70 years? Judah did, right? Israel did. So they go into captivity for 70 years. But after the end of 70 years, shall Tyre sing as an harlot. Okay, now here's the word harlot. It's talking about a prostitute. Now, I'm not, I don't want to get into too many details. But God is equating Tyre to a prostitute because in the, it's, not, it's not that he's referring to like a sexual sin. But basically what he's saying about this city, Tyre, that like a prostitute will do anything for money, this nation, Tyre, will do anything for money. Is the idea. That's why he's equating them to that. Now, here's what he says. After the end of 70 years, shall Tyre sing as an harlot. Verse 16. Take an harp, go about the city, thou harlot that has been forgotten. Make sweet melody, sing many songs that thou mayest be remembered. Look at verse 17. And it shall come to pass. Notice this. And it shall come to pass after the end of 70 years. So after they were in captivity for 70 years, when that's over, notice, notice, this is interesting because you look at it and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. The Bible says after the end of 70 years that the Lord will visit Tyre and she shall turn to her hire. Remember, the illustration is that she's a harlot. She shall turn to her hire and shall commit fornication with all the kingdoms of the world upon the face of the earth. So the Bible says that after 70 years, God is going to allow Tyre to continue its business, its fornicating with the kings of the world. It's going to continue to be a harlot and to make money and to do these things. But notice, the Bible says the Lord will visit Tyre, and Tyre will do this. Look at verse 18. And her merchandise and her hire... Don't miss this phrase, shall be holiness to the Lord. Does that phrase sound familiar to you? If you've read the book of Leviticus, you read the, the first five books of the Bible, you'll remember that that phrase is associated with the building of the tabernacle, which is the house of God. Remember when God gave the instructions to the building of the tabernacle, he told the priests that they were to write on their, they had a hat that they wore, and on that hat they were to write this phrase, holiness to to the Lord. And the Bible says here, the foundation, uh, I'm sorry, ver verse 18, and her merchandise and her hire shall be holiness to the Lord, and it shall not be treasured nor laid up. Notice this, for the merchandise shall be for them that dwell before the Lord. 
Her merchandise shall be for them that dwell before the Lord to eat sufficiently and for durable clothing. Now, remember, just try to follow with me. And I know we got to get to the cake and ice cream, but just try to follow this. Tyre was blessed of God and God allowed it to prosper back in the days of Solomon with Hiram, king of Tyre. Why? Because the resources from Tyre were used to build the temple. Years later, Tyre got filled with pride and God destroyed it. And they went into captivity alongside with Judah for 70 years in Babylon. Now, if you remember, when Nebuchadnezzar took Judah into captivity, what did he do to that temple? He destroyed the temple. And 70 years later, a man by the name of Ezra comes out of captivity and he begins to rebuild the temple. And I'll give you one guess at where he got the resources from. Go to Ezra chapter 3. Ezra chapter 3. Because after the captivity of Tyre, God says, you know what? It's been 70 years. I think I'm going to let you go back into business, you harlot. Now that's interesting. He said, I think I'm going to let you go back into business and commit fornication with the kings of the earth. Go out and make money. Go out and get peacocks and go out and get apes and go out and be wealthy and go do all those things. And you would, and you would say, well, God, why are you going to allow Tyre to prosper again? And he says, well, because the merchandise that Tyre brings in, it's going to be holiness to the Lord. He says, the merchandise that they bring in is going to be to those that dwell before the Lord. He says, the merchandise that they bring in, I'm going to use it for the work of God. And then Ezra shows up and says, I want to rebuild this temple. And he starts looking around and saying, where am I going to get the, the materials for this temple? And here's what they said. They said, well, when Solomon built the temple, he got the materials from Tyre. And Ezra says, well, maybe I can get materials from Tyre. And God allows this nation to prosper again so that once again, decades later, they can be used to resource the building of the temple. Look at Ezra chapter 3, verse 6. From the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. Verse 7. They gave money also unto the masons and to the carpenters and meat and drink and oil. Notice this. Unto them of Zidon and to them of Tyre. Why did they do that? To bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the Sea of Joppa according to the grant that they had of Cyrus, king of Persia. Cyrus, king of Persia, was the one who commissioned the rebuilding of the temple, if you remember that from the Old Testament. Go back to Luke chapter number 16. Let me give you a couple of scriptures and a couple of closing thoughts, and, and we'll be done. We'll bring all this together. Luke chapter 16. Here's what's interesting. God allowed Tyre to prosper materially, in the days of Hiram, because God was going to use those resources to build the temple. Then, Tyre got filled with pride. They said, look at where we live, look at our clothes, look at the things we have. We are so great. And God says, you know what? You're not really helping me anymore. I don't really need you anymore. I'm going to reach over that sea. I'm going to shake your kingdom. I'm going to throw you in captivity for 70 years. The temple gets destroyed. Judah goes into captivity for 70 years. They both come out of captivity Ezra begins to rebuild the temple, and God says, Hey, Tyre, uh, go back into business because I need your resources. Now, here's what I want you to understand. What if, and here's the question that I have for you, what if your material wealth, what if your success financially, what if your personal resources 
were directly affected by how much you invested into the house of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because here's what you got to understand. The Bible says, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Do you know that the only thing that God ever promised you or me is food and clothes? He never, he never promised us a house, never promised us a car, never promised you a 401k, never promised you, you got an iPhone, you, you're blessed because God never promised you that. Here's what he promised you, food and clothing. Now look, how much money do you need to be able to feed yourself, clothe yourself, and if you're married, you have children, feed yourself and clothe your children? I mean, if that, I'm not talking about paying rent. I'm not talking about going on vacations. I'm not talking about, you know, doing activities. I'm just saying, you have clothes. Look, in the United States of America, you can probably not have a job and have food. And, I mean, you can go around and get food and clothing for free, okay? So here's the thing. How much money does it take for God to fulfill his promise? What was his promise? I'm going to give you food and I'm going to give you clothes. For God to fulfill that promise in the life of believers, how much money does he have to give you every year for you to do that? Not a lot. Okay, so what about the rest? Well, what if the rest... Tire was dependent on, I'm going to resource you as you resource the house of God. And if you start thinking it came from you, and if you stop resourcing the house of God, I don't really have a need for you. I'll just send you in captivity. I'll just send you to bankruptcy. You know, they went in captivity for 70 years. God's going to send you to, you know, bankruptcy for seven years or whatever. If, if that's the idea, if, if, if I, I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking about Donald Trump and the world. I'm talking about if as a Christian, our material blessing was dependent on. The only reason Tyre was allowed to succeed is because they were funding and they were resourcing the work of God. If it were the same way for that, how would that influence you're giving to the house of God. Because here's what the Bible says, Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that word mammon is a reference to money or materialism. If ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, Who will commit to your trust true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? And here's what it comes down to. No servant can serve two masters, verse 13. For either he will love the one, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Notice the end. Notice what Jesus says. And it's an interesting phrase. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now you would think he would say you can't serve God and Satan. You would think he would say you can't serve God and the world. You would think he would say you can't serve God and and the flesh, but that's not what he says. He says you can't serve God and materialism, money, the desire for things. So here's the thing. All that God ever promised you or me is food and clothing. Anything we have above that is because God, out of his goodness and out of his grace, allows us to have that. Now, here's the thing. If God blessed us, if God blessed us like Tyre, if God prospered us, only as we were resourcing the house of God. If that's how God did it, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, I'm not going to commit to you true riches. If that's how God did it, would that affect the way you give? Would you struggle with your 10% if you realize that because, because I support the work of God, that's the only reason God allows me to have more money than just I'm required for food and raiment? You understand that? Because that's what Tyre did not understand. They were blessed 
as long as they were helping build the house of God. And when they weren't building the house of God and they were filled with pride, God said, I don't need you. And as soon as the house of God needed to be built again, entire got involved, God said, okay, harlot, you can go back to work. Now, I know that's crude, I know that's, but it's an interesting thought that God would allow Tyre to prosper. Why? Because they were building, they were resourcing the temple with Ezra, and it was the same reason that God prospered him with Hiram, because they were building the temple with Solomon. But when they lost track of that, God says, I don't need you. God says, go to captivity. And, I, and, and, you know, people get this idea, if I had more money, I would give. You know what I've noticed? The people that have the most money give. But it's not, it's, it's not that they give because they have the most money. I believe they have the most money because they give. And I, the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. So let's get this idea of materialism out of our mind. I know we just had Christmas. You got a bunch of toys that you're going to go take back. <laughs> Let's just get this idea of, I need this, and I need that. You know what I need? I need to serve God with my life. I need to support God to work with my life. I need to make sure the house of God is taken care of. And, and, and then the Bible says, if you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. Let's bow.